The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. traded him to Tampa Bay. So, I mean, you, you kind of open yourself up to some development there when you're going to play rookies. On that offensive line, you know, having a rookie step in and, and be good, let alone really good, is, is a lot to ask. You know, it's going to happen hopefully over time for these guys, but a, a lot of it with the old line is kind of self-induced, especially with getting rid of at the time, even though he was 32, your best old lineman. All right, so a whole lot of... Uh, well, you know, that was a little piece of Mike and Mike. I thought I'm trying to chime that in uh, this week. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. I am Nick Ferguson. It's been a crazy week uh, in sports starting on Monday with the Kansas City Chiefs defeat. And that being the debacle or the demise of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of a little, it's a little unfair. Uh, to Tom Brady to shelter all the blame, but it's, it's a quarterback-driven league, as some would say, and if you're going to get all the praise, you have to take your bumps and bruises uh, as well. With that, I bring in my co-host, Mario Vitanzi. And Mario, when you look at that New England Patriot team really quickly, this is not one of those teams that they had years ago, and that I, and I have, and I was fortunate to play against that had Willie McGinnis and, and Ty Law, Ted Bruschi, and not to mention, you know, a couple of other guys. But this is a different-looking team. And Bill Belichick, for so many years, have had a blueprint of doing this, having a nice mixture of young guys and savvy veterans. But it just seemed as though that's kind of falling apart. And, you know, I think they, they have several million dollars on the cap, but they could have went out and, and picked up some other guys, but being as though part of the Patriot way, they don't typically uh, pay their players. So when you saw the game uh, on Monday night and you look at the Patriots team as a whole, do you feel as though this team is falling apart or this is a sign of what we've seen last year where they stumbled early and made a late push? 
Well, here's the thing, Nick. They are a different team from last year. They thought that bringing Darrell Revis in and paying him all that money would turn them into, you know, a Super Bowl contender, put them over the next level, because the whole reason they did that and brought in Browner was to beat the Denver Broncos. That's how all the teams in the AFC structured their entire offseason. Broncos had a record-setting offense, and they had to do everything they could to be able to keep up with that or to be able to slow it down. The only issue is Tom Brady is no longer the Tom Brady we're used to seeing. And maybe it's the factor of the offensive line, Nick. The offensive line has been in flux. It's been all over the place. In fact, Nate Solder gave up a uh, sack fumble during the Kansas City game on Monday night. He got benched, Nick. That's a first-round pick and, you know, at times has shown is a top-10 left tackle in this league. I mean, wildly inconsistent. I know. I went to see you with the kid. You know, I watched him on a firsthand basis, but I mean, that's really neither here nor there. This is a different Patriots team that we're seeing. You're supposed to get a lot of production out of Danny Amendola. He hasn't done anything. He's supposed to be the new Wes Walker. It turns out to be Julian Edelman, the former quarterback. You look over the defensive side of the ball, you finally get Vince Wilfork back, but he's not having the impact that he's supposed to. And maybe, Nick, just maybe the times are starting to catch up with the hoodie Bill Belichick. I mean, I went out on my show here in Denver. It's called Level Up Saturdays on Mile High Sports out here. And I said that the Kansas City Chiefs would beat the tar out of the New England Patriots. And I got called a fool, Nick. On air, we had people calling in, calling me crazy. You know, I found those people on Twitter after Monday night, and I said, uh, what was it you were saying again? I mean, nobody should have been surprised by this. This is a Patriots team that really should have lost to the Oakland Raiders at home. And it's also a Kansas City team that is much better than what we saw week one. So... Yeah, I think the Patriots regime is over. That whole division, Nick, is drowning. I mean, they might still win that division because there's really nobody in it. But if they make the playoffs, they're not going to make any noise whatsoever. The Bill Belichick dynasty is dead. Well, you know, I don't think that the dynasty is dead. When you look at the fact of you you trade Logan Mankins uh, for a tight end uh, from Tampa Bay. And, and, and there's a tendency in the NFL to look at guys and say, well, they're in the twilight hour. Thank you for your services. We are done. And sometimes you can't do that because the Patriots, I believe they're the fifth youngest team in the NFL. And this is not the way that Bill Belichick has done it. You've had a mixture of young guys and older guys to lead them both in the locker room and on the field. And, and they don't seem to have that chemistry. And you look at the fact of the draft choices that they had this year, especially at the wide receiver position. None of those guys played, but go back to Nate Solder. I, I thought when Nate was drafted by the New England Patriots, I thought it was a stretch, right? Because he's great at run blocking. He, he's a better run blocker than he is in pass protection. And over the years, since he's been with the Patriots, he's given up sack force fumbles. If you look, if you were to chart that, if you were to look at, all paid, uh, Tom Brady, excuse me, drop back passes and say, well, where has most, the majority of the pressure has come from? It's Nate Soldier's side. If yeah. you watch him, if you sit and watch him, he, he doesn't move his feet that well. So when you face, you know, Tom Ali and, and Houston, you, you know you have two bookends who coming after the quarterback 
all the time. And then now you allow the, the Kansas City Chiefs to get out to an early lead. A defensive end or outside linebacker, he's licking his chops because he's thinking, I don't have to worry about the run game. All I have to do is get upfield. So I think this, they can fix this, especially in a division known as though the Jets are not doing that well. The Miami Dolphins still has their troubles. And then E.J. Manning was yanked out of the starting position in favor of Kyle Orton. So that, that, that division is pretty much still up for grabs. But I still will say this. And I said it last year when the conversation was the same. What, is, what are the New England Patriots doing at this particular time? Is the hood, is this time over? Is Tom Brady over? And what did they do last season? They end up playing and losing by 10 points to the Denver Broncos that went to the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to write the Patriots off just yet. They've always found a way to write the ship at the back end of the season, and I believe they would do it again. You, I mean, you could be right, Nick. And, of course, we're talking about Belichick. We're talking about Brady. People have tried to count them out in the past. But the only thing is, this is a Tom Brady that we have never seen. Even when he was a rookie taking over for Bledsoe, we have not seen Brady play this bad. And let me ask you this, Nick. Did you see the tail end of that game where Brady got benched, Garoppolo went in, and against the same Kansas City defense, they didn't bench anybody. Garoppolo marched them down the field, put together a nice little drive. I mean, am I reading too much into that, or is that... uh you know, uh, might be Brady's time to be out. No, I mean, he no. Said, he said, Nick, he was going to play until he sucked, correct? And I said it on this very show, this very program, secondary perspective, that tick-tock goes the Tom Brady suck clock. It's almost midnight, no. Cinderella, so get your ass back to the castle. No, I don't think that. Every player has his day. And I said it before. If you haven't played long enough, or if you play long enough, there's some guy who's going to either run past you or run you over. And it's no different for a quarterback. You're going to have days where you are spectacular. You're spot on. You're going 49 for 49. And you're having one of those Romo days. But this isn't, just, this isn't just one of those situations, though, Nick. I mean, they got beat up by the Miami Dolphins in week one. Their defense was not there at all. Tom Brady did not look good. Tom Brady has not looked good all season, honestly, if you go back, because the game that they dominated, that Minnesota Vikings game, their defense did all the work. So you look at the Oakland Raiders game, honestly, like I said, a game they should have lost against one of the worst teams in the NFL, and then they play against the Kansas City Chiefs. Even though it's in Kansas City, they set the noise record. You should never on a Monday night game, lose by that much. Yeah, but wait, wait a minute. Look at, look at the fact of some of those tips and overthrows. He was throwing to Danny Amadolu, who, who's now become his go-to guy with Wes Walker not being there. And it just seemed as though they were not on the same page. But, but Tom Brady, he last year... Last, haven't been on the same page in two years. Yeah, but last year they didn't have, and Tom Brady, that is, didn't have great options to throw the ball to. Gronk was hurt as though he's always hurt at the back end of the season. But to me, I think this is still something that they can, they can definitely correct. Because once again, in order to get into a playoff discussion or into the playoffs period, you have to win your division. And looking at the division as a whole, they still have an opportunity at the end of the season to win that division. But here's something I, I want to, um, to play for you. And you give me your thoughts on this. 
I might not see it. I might have been talking to the defensive coaches while the quarterback got hit. I might be talking to a special teams coach trying to make sure that we're covering kicks better than we did the, the previous snap. Uh, so there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Brady Hoke didn't see it. And I don't know Brady really well, but knowing people that know him that I trust, there's absolutely no doubt that he would not put the player back in. If he... and, and, and you know what, that, that's a little soundbite for it. Former Texas Longhorn coach Mac Brown's not uh, analyst for the Four Letter Network, and that's him talking about how he would and how he's had he has handled situations in the past where players were injured. And, and if you've been watching and been paying attention, uh, last week Shane Morris, quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines, uh, suffered a hit where it appeared as though he was a little concussed. But he stayed in the game. And Brady Hoke and Dave Brandon, the athletic director, they've been taking a lot of heat uh, this week uh, because of it. And Mario, how about this? That's over 10,000 fans outside the athletic building cheering for Brandon to resign. And I have to ask you, even if you haven't seen the play, uh, you've watched a lot of games where players have been concussed. And I can tell you this, in my personal experience, uh, when the guy gets injured on the sideline, seldom uh, is his, his position coach, head coach, and special teams coach, they may not know. So it's up to the athletic staff to be able to tell the special teams coach first, hey, listen, this guy's not going to be in the game. So you might as well go ahead and tell the head coach and the position coach, get his replacement up and ready to go in the game. So, you know, everyone's calling for Brandon to be fired. Everyone's calling for Brady Hoke to be fired. I think it's a knee-jerk reaction because you're talking about a program that's used to winning, and I think it's a a lot of overreacting here. But if you want to lay the blame and Brady Hoke is taking the blame, saying it was his responsibility – due to a lack of communication, but he also stated that it's not his decision to determine when players are healthy enough to play. And with that being said, it is not all his fault. The, co- the athletic staff is supposed to alert the coaches who minds are in the game plan. They're focused on, well, what call am I going to make the next play? Or, you know, what do we need to do on special teams? They're trying to stay into the flow of the game, but everyone has a responsibility. I don't think it's all Brady Cope. A host's fault, and I don't think he should be fired based upon this. If you want to fire him because you feel as the team is not excelling the way that they need to, fine, but not because of this particular uh, situation. You give me your secondary perspective. Well, that's that's exactly the thing, Nick. I don't think that this is going to have any more of an impact on him getting fired. Honestly, I think he's going to get fired because it's Michigan. It's a proud program, and they lost to Utah. You know, they lost to, what was it, Minnesota now recently. They can't keep playing this way if you are Michigan, if you're Big Blue. Every year, you are supposed to be a contender. And when you start losing to these bottom-of-the-barrel bottom teams, then you're going to lose your job. 
and it's pretty clear that Holt can't handle the pressure. This whole situation with the concussion, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you, Nick. It's not completely 100% on him, but when you're already under fire, when people are already talking about you like having to resign or the fact that you're probably going to get fired before the end of the season, it, it gets I don't want to say blown out of proportion because dealing with the concussion is a big deal, but people are going to put a microscope under it and they're going to blame him because this blame just goes in line with everything else that he's being blamed for. So really, I don't think it's neither here nor there. I think he's on his way out no matter what. And in a situation like this, it all does come down to the coach. The coach is in charge. It's his decision to make. So, I, I, I just not really no it's but, not but it should be Nick I mean isn't he the figurehead isn't the head coach the one with the last say no not really because think about so, it so you're saying really quick so you're saying that the trainers basically came to him and said that he's cool to play apparently the trainers did not do that that's why he didn't know but you know he, he didn't know how badly injured Shane so Morris the, but then the trainers also didn't come up and say that he shouldn't play they didn't say anything Apparently, from what I read, no. There, there was no communication, no dialogue between athletic staff or any other coach or, or Brady Hoke for that matter. And that's why they say they dropped, they dropped the ball. And I can tell you being a guy on that sideline, when you get deemed, first of all, the guy has to come out and say, well, yes, I'm deemed. And when he tells the athletic staff and they do their check, whatever it is, then they go to his position coach and say, coach, such and such is dinged up. He can't go back in the game. We need to get his replacement. Because think about it. If they left it to Hope to do this and knowing as though he, he, the team was not doing that well this season, he wants the best players in there to play. So he's going to send him back out there regardless. To me, you got to take that power out of the coach's hands and leave it on the athletic staff to take care of the players. And that's the same thing that we're running into in the NFL. You have to protect the players from themselves. So that's why I say it's not all Brady Hope's fault because you're trying to focus on the game plan, you leave it up to other individuals to let you know what's taking place with the player so you know how to make your adjustments, just like you were making an adjustment on fourth and one or if you were backed up. That's what the game is about. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Coming up after the break, a little bit of Oktoberfest, and that's not beer fest at all. That's MOB playoffs after the break. Listen to Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, 
you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Racing back, Snyder looking up, it's gone! That's a grand slam for Brandon Crawford! The last thing on my mind is probably hitting a home run. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. You think you've done enough Dallas on this? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Alright, we're good. Okay, here we go, fellas. We've got, uh, obviously, on to uh, San Diego. You know, <laughs> I can't do nothing but laugh at that. Of course, we, we, we know uh, Bill Belichick earlier this week and uh, the devastating loss to Kansas City on Monday night. He answered every question with, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. And even though it, 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 it's made some in the media business very angry, but you have to know he's like Greg Popovich. You can't squeeze too much out of that limit. You, you're not going to get too much. But I thought it was great and added to kind of like that rivalry between the Jets and New England for Rex uh, and the issue, especially the issue that the Jets are dealing with, to see that he still has that sense of humor. And he's like, uh, we're on to San Diego. I love it. I love that about Rex Ryan. I think he's getting a raw deal with the New New York Jets uh, because his hands are tied. He can't make the moves and personnel and get people on the field that, that, that he wants. But uh, if there were a coach that I would love to play for, I would love to play for both Belichick and Rex Ryan. But what you heard early on that was last night, Brandon Crawford of the San Francisco Giants, bases loaded, balls out of the park. They take an early lead over the Pittsburgh Pirates, where the fans of Pittsburgh, Mario, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that, that game last night, but they were fired up hosting a wild card at home, but all of a sudden, with one crack at the bat, it went from cheers to heading for the exits. And I tell you, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sports guy, and I, I like baseball, but I'm not like a baseball fanatic. And it's like, for me, it's like uh, every four years, the World Cup comes around, and everyone knows, listen to the show, you're not a fan of the World Cup. But I love October. I love October for so many reasons. And when baseball, the pennant race, that's when it seems like the game gets exciting. Like guys really care. Fans are really involved. And, and, and there's no atmosphere greater than that that's created by the pennant race in October. I, I tell you. And I, and I love the San Francisco Giants team because I had a chance to watch a little special on his team. And they're a close-knit group. And when you're talking about a clubhouse, that when a new guy comes into the fold, they welcome him in. And it's sort of like being in that Broncos locker room. When I play, the fact of 
The only thing that matters is winning ball games. That's it. We don't care where you came from, what your history was prior to you getting here, but can you adopt to the philosophy? Can you buy into what we're selling and help us get over the hump? And, you know, Detroit is playing Baltimore, Kansas City, playing the Angels, San Francisco, Washington, and St. Louis. They're playing the L.A. Dodgers, who, I mean, when you look at this whole race as a whole, with all those teams I just named, it's all about pitching. I mean, Detroit versus Baltimore. You have David Price, Justin Verlander, Miguel Cabrera, and Max Swisher. I mean, I mean, come on. That's... You got to love that. I don't care if you're not a fan of baseball. You have to tune in and watch it. It's exciting. I mean, did you watch the game last night? Oh, of course I did. And you're and you're absolutely right. Baseball during the regular season can get tedious, man. I completely agree with you. It's hard to get into, especially in the day games. There's not a whole lot of energy. But first off, man, if you watch the Kansas City-Oakland game, that was, honest to God, the second best baseball game I've ever seen in my life. It was fantastic. And uh, then, of course, the game last night, and as soon as Brandon Crawford hit that grand slam, you know, they, the, the Pirates got questioned a little bit, Nick, for sending Edison Volquez to the mound. He's not necessarily their ace. He's actually their number three starter, but he was the hottest pitcher they thought at that time. But uh, you talk about Volquez. This is a guy that has struggled with his control, and we saw that on the grand slam. Uh, he threw a breaking ball, but it didn't break. It hung right up into the zone, and Brandon Crawford, who actually became the first shortstop in Major League playoff history to hit a grand slam during the playoffs, just drove it out of here. And and Crawford is not a guy with great power, so the fact that he's able to get under the ball and hit it the way that he did, you know that it was a terrible pitch. And really, it was was pretty much all over from there. Madison Bumgarner was not going to allow four runs to this Pirates team, and it's so much that has to do with pitching. We see these teams like the Nationals that get hot and the Royals and the Pirates, and these are like the sexy teams because of the teams that haven't really been there before. They're the teams that you want to win, but when it comes down to it, a team like the Giants, a team like the Tigers, a team like the Cardinals, these are the teams that are built to win in the postseason, to win five-game and seven-game series because they have the starters to do it. The reason I didn't say Dodgers there, Nick, they have Clayton (laughs) Kershaw. After that, it gets a little shady. And the other thing is Los Angeles baseball fans, they're they're no good. And if you're an L.A. Dodger baseball fan, I'm not even going to apologize to you because you don't appreciate the game. You only like the Dodgers because of that L.A. hat. You like (laughs) because they're the Dodgers. The same reason that people like the Lakers, Nick. It's really no different. You're going to pay attention to your team when they're good, and as soon as they're out of contention, you're going to move on to the next sport. I mean, nobody in Los Angeles knows that their hockey team won the Stanley Cup recently. So that's just how Los Angeles fans are, but that's really neither here nor there. I absolutely love uh, playoff baseball, man, because it, it gets the excitement, the energy, and you can feel it when you're watching that the stands are packed. And, Nick, you know I played baseball in high school and in college. That was my sport. So I will break down uh, baseball with you until the sun goes down and then rises again. But, but you know what? I, wait a minute. I, I think you're, a little, you're, you're being a little uh, um, critical of uh, 
the L.A. Dodgers because one one thing about it, I don't think it's a fact of just loving the L.A. on the hat, but, I mean, you're from that area, so you're going to support your team no matter what. But I think when you look at the Dodgers team as a whole, yes, uh, Kershaw, sensational, sensational year uh, as a pitcher. And to me, Oh, the, what are the? He's, he's the best pitcher of our generation, Nick. But here's the thing, Granky. You don't really know what you're gonna get. Heron's kind of been all over the place. Their offense might be able to carry them, but this is a boom or bust offense. If Yasiel Puig and D Gordon aren't getting on base, then Adrian Gonzalez isn't knocking them in. You know, Matt Kemp is hot right now, but he is a very streaky hitter. He could easily cool off. It's honestly, it is a boom or bust offense. They're either going to drop ten on you, or they will drop one on you. But you know what? That's that, that, roll. You know what? And that, and that was going to be my question because I mean, over the past two seasons, this team has has come out hot. They've, they've come out hot on fire. We know last year when Pui came in, and everyone was like, "Where did this kid come from? What do they What do they get him?" And then all of a sudden, they get to the postseason and they fade out. And they have a lot of talent, and their bats can wake up. When, when especially they they wake up when you need them to wake up. But it's like, do they have enough? And that and that and that was my question. Do they have enough to close out the deal? Because at this point, it doesn't make a difference what you did and you were able to accomplish in the regular season. No matter how much you 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 have as far as your payroll on your roster, it's about can you show up. When, you know, the game is on the line. And I think that Kansas City team that we talked about earlier that won that game, that slugfest against the A's earlier this week, to me, that's one of those teams that you're afraid to play. Exactly. Because because our payroll is not as high. You know, no one's looking at us as being a, a contender. No one looked at us at the beginning of the season to be a contender. But now we are just like you. We found a way to get in. And then all it takes is, for us to have our bats wake up that particular day, have great pitching and great defense in the outfield, and we can beat some of the better teams in the league. Nick, do you know who that who this Kansas City team reminds me of? The 2007 Colorado Rockies. In fact, before they had the two wild card teams, they would have a playing game. So on the 163rd game of the season at Coors Field, the Rockies won, I think it was like 12 of their last 13 games to even get into the conversation. Um, they beat the Padres in 12 innings and they, the, the Padres had scored a run top of the 12th. Rocky scored two in the bottom of the 12th. That was the infamous play where Matt Holiday tagged up, slid head first. The catcher dropped the ball. Uh, and, and at first the umpire didn't call him save cause he didn't know if he touched the plate and then they're like, really, you know, in that moment, Nick, <laughs> it has to be a dramatic, either safe or out. That's what the umpire has to do. But he gave one of these really hesitant, like, barely lifted his arms, and they kind of said, uh, I think he's safe. And I was actually watching these uh, the other day on YouTube, and San Diego fans were commenting, saying, this is BS. And you know how YouTube is, but these guys are like, this is BS. He never touched home plate. That We got robbed. San Diego is, they, we're always getting cheated, blah, blah, blah. But anyway... This is exactly like this team. The Rockies were hot then, and the Royals are hot now. They won a game. Like, they shouldn't have even been there, Nick. 
and they fought their way in. The Royals, it's their first playoff appearance, and it's like when the A's took that 7-3 to lead going into the 8th inning, and even when they took the lead into the ninth, and Doolittle, who was one of the best closers this year, had to close it out, gave up the tie, it's like you know there's something special about this Royals team. They're just a ragtag bunch. They don't really have a superstar, and conventional baseball uh, knowledge would tell us that they're not meant to be here, Nick. They had the fewest amount of home runs in the major, something that, you know, they beat to death uh, while they were breaking <laughs> down the game. They had the fewest amount of walks, but somehow these guys still get on base. They steal the bases and they score runs. They somehow get it done. And that's how the Rockies were. They kept winning even though they weren't supposed to. That's how this Royals team has been. They're very resilient. They refuse to die. They have a great defense, which is somebody that something that nobody talks about. And they just have a lot of guys that care about each other that just click. It's like the Island of Misfit Toys, Nick. A lot of these guys didn't catch on anywhere else. But they came to Kansas City, and now you got to look out for this team because they've got the pitching, they've got the hitting, and they are winning despite their coach. It's a scary combination. Well, you know what? No matter what sport you play, I think it's a great thing when you are the underdog, when you have been, like you said, uh, part of the island of misfit toys, you've been cast off. And, and it's often said that another man's trash is another man's treasure. And you find ways of motivation when people have told you that you can't not do something. No, 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 no. Hey, we don't need you anymore. We're going to move past you. We don't think you have the, you can catch, you can pitch, or whatever it is. But like you said, the Kansas City team, they're fired up. They figure that we, we've overcome a lot of obstacles, and we haven't been here in 29 years. We are now here. We are not going to leave, and we're going to make every game that we play, every inning, every pitch, we're going to make it count. And like I said before, to me, they're a scary team because all they have to do is look up. You have already know what's behind you. You already know where you've been. But to look up as far as what this team can accomplish, that's scary. But when you break down the American League division and the National League division and you look at these uh, teams that are now playing in this playoffs – if you had to say right now, and no one has played a game just yet, when you look at the Baltimore versus Detroit, Kansas City versus the Angels, St. Louis and Dodgers, the uh, Giants against Washington, when you look at all of these games, who do you feel well, the two teams will be there at the very end for you? And I give I, you mine. Honestly, it's, I, I want to say the Royals because they're so hot right now, and I, mean, I, I just love watching that team play. But they have struggled so mightily with the Tigers during the regular season. I mean, the Tigers just had their number. And that's not good when it comes to the playoffs. So if somebody is able to knock off the Tigers before the Royals play, then I give them a shot. But the Tigers have too much firepower on offense. They're too deep at pitching. They've got the bullpen to get it done. And they're one of the teams that they have been there before and they know how to get it done. 
So as much as it pains me to say, because I want to see a new team, a new team in there, you know, but it's just not going to happen. I think you got to take the Tigers in the American League and you flash over to the National League. You know, I would love to see the uh, Washington Nationals make it there, but I don't think they're quite deep enough uh, in their starting rotation. The, The Gio Gonzalez and Zimmerman, they've been too inconsistent to this point. And they ran away with that division because the Atlanta Braves collapsed. So they, I think they get a little bit too much credit because they were in a very weak division. Uh, and it's going to pain me to say this because I despise this team and a lot of their fans. But it's the San Francisco Giants. I mean, the, <laughs> again, Nick, the same thing with the Tigers. It's a team that has been there. It's a team that knows how to win these big games. They went into Pittsburgh in the playoff game. Uh, and a lot of quote-unquote experts in the baseball realm were not only picking the Pirates to win this game, but they're picking the Pirates to make it all the way to the World Series, Nick. That didn't work out so well. But this is this is a Giants team that is very deep. San Francisco is a place that, as a competitor, you hate to go in and try and win games. And, I mean, they have the pitching, they have the coaching, uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to see Tigers and Giants. And, you know, I think the Tigers win it all. Well, you know, I definitely have to agree with you because I, I like Detroit when they made those moves uh, during the midseason to pick up, you know, David Price. I, I was just like, wow, they, they are stockpiling. It just like reminded me of uh, the 95 breaks, you know, to, to win a, a pennant race. You have to have great pitching. Yeah, you, you need guys who can you know, swing the bat or whatever. But if the other team can't get on base and they can't get home, they can't win. And that's in any sport. If you don't score, you don't win. I like the how both of these two teams mesh in the clubhouse, both the Tigers and the San Francisco Giants. And pitching, bats, chemistry, a team, that's what it is. We saw the same thing last year uh, in the NBA Finals when we watched – a team and the San Antonio Spurs, even though they were a little older, defeat the big three of the Miami Heat. These are team games. This is not an individual sport. And when you get guys who play together, they believe in one another. They know how to rally behind one another. To me, that is the recipe to winning any sport. And once again, I still agree with you, San Francisco Giants and the Detroit Tigers. I see both of these two teams, you know, in the final game, but opposed to what you gave us about the winner, I like the San Francisco Giants. I like San Francisco Giants uh, to win it all. Hopefully it happens that way. Interesting story real quick. After the Little League World Series, you know, my wife has said for so, for so long, my son wasn't going to play football. But after watching a couple of those games in the Little League World Series, my son is a baseball fan. He, he asked me today because we, we, we bought him a bat and a glove, and he's like, dude, dad, can we watch baseball? And I looked at him like, what? My son wants to watch baseball. He's asking for baseball. So once again, October, great month for baseball. I'm going to be tuned in. Like I said, I'm not a baseball fanatic, but this is the time of the year when I tune in because this is when great baseball in history is made. After the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. Media day is over. NBA training camp is in full swing. Who, at the end of the season, could be there. We'll see what Mario thinks. And maybe 
His Nuggets could maybe maybe not. I don't. I I, I don't know. But we'll talk a little baseball. Excuse me, basketball when we come back after the break and talk a little bit about Tony Romo and those Dallas Cowboys. Impressive, yet shocking, but impressive. Nonetheless, you'll listen to Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective with my co-host Mario Patanzi. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean, ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. A couple years ago, it was a big three. You know, now it's no big nothing. It's the Miami Heat. And um, we're a different team here. You know, obviously with, you know, LeBron, you know, going back to Cleveland, um, we have some change. We added some guys like Lou Al and McRoberts and those guys to, uh, to the fold. So it's a different team here. You don't plug it. You know, you have to scrap that whole plan or what the, that worked with that guy and that team. We have a different team. You know, we have to create a different puzzle. Um, and uh, we have to. That's Dwayne Wade talking about the Miami Heat and as they look forward and life after LeBron James. And speaking of LeBron James, early this week, the Cavs had their inner squad scrimmage and it looked like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, even though they gave the tickets away for free, everyone showed up. And the moment LeBron hit the floor, of course, it was kind of a, a thunderous cheer because the prodigal son had returned home. And like I said, October is a great, great time of the season. You have 
you know, trick-or-treating right around the corner, uh, baseball, pennant race, and the start of the NBA season, I say unofficial start because they're in, in training camp, but a lot of optimism, a lot of optimism for a lot of teams this year. Uh, Byron Scott now takes over for the LA Lakers. Uh, Kobe Bryant comes back after being hampered by injuries, saying that he believes this is going to be a great season uh, for him in the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we see what's, ha- what's taking place with Paul Gasol in Chicago, with Derrick Rose, can he stay healthy? And then you look at the Miami Heat as Dwayne Wade uh, so eloquently expressed. They have a bunch of new guys. So I ask you, when you look at the landscape of the NBA so far, what team do you feel will have the biggest impact from the latest additions to the team? You know, is it going to be Chicago? Is it going to be Kevin Love with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Or are we going to see Carlos Boozers with the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, how do you see this? And then talk about your hometown team, that of the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I, I love what the Nuggets have done, honestly, Nick. But really, the biggest thing was retaining their guys. And they had so many injuries last year. It, it was hard to judge. And it was Brian Shaw's first year as head coach. And Nuggets fans are so temperamental because they got so used to making the playoffs every single year with George Carl. People were calling for uh, Shaw's head. And it's like, look, you, you got to be patient. In the, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, you got to relax. But honestly, the team that did the most is, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nick. I mean, hands down, there have been plenty of other players that have gone to other places. But you're talking about the best player in the NBA that went to a different team. Uh, And I've actually talked about this before. I think trading away Wiggins for Kevin Love in the long run is not going to be a smart idea. I compared Kevin Love to Chris Bosh and people called me out on it because they're like, oh, well, when Chris Bosh was in Toronto, he averaged eight and a half rebounds. And when Kevin Love was in Minnesota, he averaged 9.2 or whatever it was. The reason that I was comparing the two, Nick, is because Chris Bosh was very highly sought after when he was in Toronto. The same way that Kevin Love is highly sought after coming from Minnesota. You put these guys with a player like LeBron James and they're going to be overshadowed. It doesn't matter who you are. You could put Kevin Durant with LeBron James. You could put James Harden. You could put Kobe Bryant right now with LeBron James. They would be overshadowed because anybody that's on the team It is going to be LeBron's team, hands down. So I like what the Cavaliers did, but I thought they should have been more patient with Andrew Wiggins, not gone after the sexy pick of Andrew uh, or of Kevin Love. I, I just thought that they gave up too much for him, Nick. You didn't know what you had in Wiggins. Why not give him a shot? I think that his ceiling is much higher. You already know what you're going to get out of Kevin Love, but a lot of his rebounds came off of missed shots, and a lot of his points. He, he's he's shooting from the outside. So that, that's just my opinion. I'm not a big basketball guy, but I did like Andrew Wiggins' overall athleticism much more than Kevin Love. So, I mean, the Cavaliers definitely took the biggest stride uh, as far as being a top team. But, I mean, there are plenty of other teams that you can't count out. I mean, the Houston Rockets are going to be around because of Dwight Howard and James Harden. You know, the uh, the the uh, L.A. Clippers are going to be around because of CP3, because of Blake Griffin, and it is just a fun team to watch. Obviously, the Spurs are going to be around, even though everybody's going to count them out. 
I mean, I, I think we're going to start seeing a little bit less parity in the NBA as the talent starts to disperse. And uh, that's what I like to see. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of guys that you love uh, the most. The first guy is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo has led his teams to 10 uh, pl- playoffs in 10 of his 11 seasons. Uh, he has a scoring title. And when asked about where he fits among some of the, the top stars today, Kevin Durant and LeBron James, he said he feels that he's underrated. He feels as though he's not getting the same level of respect that his play on the hardwood would would demand. And, and I know, you know, we talk about, you know, Carmelo, and I know how you feel about Carmelo and yeah, yeah, his wife, but but is it fair to even look at Carmelo and, and things that he's accomplished and say that he is underrated in comparison to LeBron James and Kevin Durant? He, he is underrated, but... In some aspects, he's overrated. It kind of depends on how you're looking at it and who you ask, Nick. If you're going to talk about purely a scoring threat, I do think he's underrated because he, Kevin Durant may be the only person other than Melo that can score the ball better. Uh, in fact, I would. Re- I mean, if it came down to just getting points and having someone that can create their own shot and do it in the clutch. I would probably take Carmelo Anthony over LeBron James. But if if you're going to start talking about a complete basketball player, a guy that can fire up his team, that can make a big play, that will actually play defense, that can find the open man when he's running the point, then hell no. I don't want Carmelo Anthony anywhere near my team. And the big thing that you hear about him is that he is a cancer in the locker room. That's why the Nuggets wanted him out of here. George Carl really never liked having Carmelo here. And when he got to trade him, he was thrilled. I mean, obviously in that organization, you don't want to get rid of your player, your best player. But now when he starts to say that he wants out, then you have an out as well. I mean, think back to when the Nuggets had Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony. On paper, it looked like a fantastic team. But great team on paper. It was it was a great yeah, especially with Chauncey Billups there. But there were too many egos they had to deal with. J.R. Smith, of course, on that team as well, and that's been the biggest pitfall of this New York Knicks team, Mr. Ferguson. It's not that they don't have the talent; they have some of the best talent on paper in the NBA, but they can't get it done because they have a whole bunch of me first players and that's where Carmelo Anthony comes in if he would just put his nose to the grindstone grindstone and showed that he wanted to outwork everybody then he could get it done as a superstar he would no longer be underrated but in my perspective my primary perspective that is he is overrated I don't think that he's a top five player in this league and I would be burdened to say that he's even top 10 Nick because top 10 players are winners no matter where they go and the, in recent years he has not been a winner but well, wait a minute once again you know I have to say that that's a little unfair because Carmelo Anthony had an opportunity to leave New York and go to maybe Cleveland Miami LA Chicago but he chose to go back uh, because Derek Fisher and Phil Jackson. But no, me, he went back because of the money, Nick. They couldn't have possibly offered him more cash. Yeah, but, but, but he, he, here's the thing. Once again, I think because he's playing with the New York Knicks, and this is a team that really, even though they, got to the, they get to the playoffs, they find a way to get to the playoffs, 
you know, getting out of that first round proves to be very difficult for them. And when you don't have a supporting cast, and, and what we know of the NBA today, you need more than just one star. You need more than two stars if you plan on winning an NBA title. Oh, but so, how, so, how many stars did the San Antonio Spurs have, really? I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna call Tim Duncan a star, are you? Tony Parker might be on the verge, but I don't think I would call him a star. Kawhi really? Leonard wasn't even a star. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying or Tony define, Parker, define a star, Nick? A star is someone that that's a game changer. He can lead his team when they are behind. He finds a way to rally his team when his team needs him in the clutch. He can come up with a rebound. He can come up with a three point shot. And sometimes it may be required of him. Not to touch the ball, but be the decoy to pass, have an outlet pass so someone else can score. That's that's what you need. And to say that Tony Parker and Tim Duncan are not stars in the NBA, to me, that's laughable. That's laughable. We watched last season as those those guys that you say that are not stars dismantle my Miami Heat. See what I'm saying? So, see, so, that, but that's the thing. They didn't have any egos. They didn't have any top-tier superstars. All right, obviously, they're all very good. They're clutch players, but I'm talking about superstars. I'm talking about LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, the, the, uh, the upper echelon. They didn't have any of those guys on paper, Nick. They I just did. had a bunch of guys that knew how to play the game, and they had the best coach in the NBA. Still, you know what? Still, when I when I look at basketball as a whole, Tony Parker, he's a top ten player. When I look at Tim Duncan, you can say about his age. All I know, the guy wins basketball games, and he's been doing it for a long time. So Tim Duncan, those guys are NBA superstars. I mean, you don't see them doing doing uh, Coke commercials and McDonald commercials, but still, uh, top only superstars do commercials, Nick, and they don't have any. Well, I've seen Johnny Manziel in commercials, and he hasn't done anything in the league yet. But <laughs> moving on, before we get out of here, Dallas Cowboys, Tony Romo, they find a way to get it done in, in back-to-back weeks. And Tony Romo came into the season, another back surgery. We're wondering, will we see the Tony Romo effect? I think we're still wondering if we're still going to see the Tony Romo effect. But they've done an excellent job, that offensive line, creating holes, gaping holes for DeMarco Murray to explode through the league leading Russia, and this this goes back to what I said before. Call it a quarterback-driven league. Call it a passing league. You can't win if you don't run the ball. And right now, Demarco Murray is carrying the Dallas Cowboys and taking the, the the brunt of the pressure off of Tony Romo. So once again, I still think the Philadelphia Eagles win this division. But now, after the past couple of weeks, I think the Dallas Cowboys are right there. All right, well, uh, I guess. Well, I well, guess, Nick. Well, you, well, you guess. You're, well. you're giving him a little too much credit, though, don't you think? No, I, 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 I don't. I mean, usually I give him a lot of criticism, but I got to give him credit. Well, credit is due. I can't be one of these guys where I'm just going to criticize for the sake of criticism. No, they're playing, playing well. Uh, the offensive line that's revamped, a bunch of young guys, they're doing an excellent job of protecting Tony Romo. But when you're able to run the ball, and you give you can give your defense an opportunity to rest, and we're talking about a deficient d- defense. It's helping. It's helping them right now. Now, how long will they be able to sustain that? We don't know. Hopefully, they can avoid the dreaded Tony Romo effect. But at this particular juncture, Dallas Cowboys are playing you know great football. Uh, also, don't forget uh, the Washington Redskins Monday Night Football 
against the Seattle uh, Seahawks, so I want to see how that's going to shape out. And then also, the Denver Broncos host the Arizona Cardinals, who pretty much are leading the league statistically in defensive category. So we'll see if the bye week has helped the Denver Broncos and can they bounce back. Of course they can bounce back, Nick. Come on, man. Well, we'll see. We, we, we shall see. I know bye, early bye weeks have served some teams well, but usually, typically, you want your bye week a little later in the season because that's when it's a long season, guys get banged up. But we'll see how they bounce back. And, and if they took these two weeks to lick their wounds, revamp their offense, and come out on fire at home against uh, what I consider to be a dark horse coming early, coming into the season, is Arizona Cardinal teams. So we, we'll see how both defenses shape out and see if Peyton Manning get this team back on course. So great week, another great week in sports, and I can't wait. I can't wait to these these baseball games kick off. I can sit down with my son and we can watch some baseball. Not football. We're gonna watch baseball. Just so you know, Nick, I, I know a lot of people are saying early bye weeks, you know, it's not always great for the team, but I thought this came at a very important juncture. Uh, of the of the uh, Broncos season, I mean, they came off the loss, a, a win they really, really would have liked to have. Even though the players will tell you it was just a week three game, it's just another game on the schedule. That's not how they believe, and you know, I'm glad that they had extra time to try and get over this loss because we always forget about the humanistic aspect of football. And it's certainly there. I mean, you get embarrassed in the Super Bowl. You want to come back and you want to beat the tar out of that team. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. You know, so it gives you an extra week to kind of regain regain your composure, you know, collect your thoughts, gives DT a chance to figure out, you know, what he's got going on and, you know, let him get back on track. Maybe a chance for Danny Trevathan, an extra week to get him back. It just collect their heads, man. I, I think they're going to be fine. And they aren't the only team coming off of an early bye week. So it's it's just going to be fine. Again, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, relax. This team is going to be in great shape. We will see. They have a tough couple of weeks ahead after playing Seattle's Arizona this week. And then they play the Woeful Jets on the road in Meadowlands. And then it's off back at home against San Francisco 49ers. Tough teams. But I think the Broncos, and we'll see what they're made of in the next couple of weeks. I've been joined by my host, Mario Batanza. You can find him at Mile High Mario. We're going to be tweeting some great things this weekend. And you can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Thanks to the guys in Phoenix that keep us pumping and keeping the show in full flow. So appreciate the guys for that. Another exciting week. Enjoy it. Spend some time with your family. Get, out, get outside. Get outdoors. Do something. I'm going to be playing catch with my son. Matter of fact, I'm going to go start playing right now. That's Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 